the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour has been a journalist for over 30 years for the New York Times, the Christian Science Monitor, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and is the author of 10 children's books. But we're going to talk about something a little different that came up. Um, it was it was actually uh, uh, kind of a... I don't even know what to describe the event as, but it went viral. It, it was um, simply described as um, fairy pen pals. And we're going to talk about fairy pen pals and more with Lisa Suhey, who joins me by phone. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. It's so exciting to be here. How are you today? I'm doing I'm doing fine. And I'm really excited to talk about you because this is such an unusual story. It really started out almost as like a, a, a little, I, I don't want to say prank. Prank is not the right word, but you did some sort of a decoration, uh, a gardening decoration that was sort of fairy village-like and, and uh children in the neighborhood started writing letters to the fairies and and it, it, do i have this right you started answering them well actually it was um sort of a random act of kindness um, okay that's... we have one of those we have one of those little free libraries in front of our house ah. and when the pandemic lockdowns we had these rolling lockdowns here in norfolk virginia um, at the start and, uh, of the pandemic last year, and, and, and by June, kids were miserable, and you could hear them crying. And I told one little girl that um, 
uh, I would tell her a fairy story because she was so disappointed that there were no fairy books in our little free library. Uh And I told her a story of how the fairies had come here during the pandemic to bring back everyone's happy thoughts. And this little girl was pretty canny. And she knocked on my door the next day and she said, well, you have a pretty garden. Do the fairies live in it? And I thought, <laughs> they, they just might. So I thought, you know, Amazon could help me out. So I told her, in a week, you know, the fairies would be all moved in. And so I ordered a fairy door from Amazon. I put it on a big crepe myrtle tree, big pink crepe myrtle tree in front of the house, and put out some paper and pencils and said, write to the fairies, and they'll write back. Because I thought that it was going to be that one little girl and her little sister. <laughs> and I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. It it, it kind of got away from you a little bit, didn't it, Lisa? You know, don't mess with fairies. They, <laughs> yeah. they, okay, you were talking about pranks. If anybody got pranked, it was me by the fairies. Because <laughs> at this point uh, in time, when we're almost exactly one, just after one year later, um, uh, the fairies, have answered nearly 2,000 letters from all over the country, all over the globe. Kids write to the fairies because somebody thought it would be very helpful and a community service to put my uh, fairy tree uh, front, you know, my address on Google. So you can find fairy tree on Google Maps. (laughs) People write from. Yeah, they write from all over the country. From I get to get letters from Halifax, Canada, and from just everywhere. And the fairies faithfully answer back. In fact, a little boy, we're in military town. A little boy recently uh, asked his fairy uh, if they could send a dragon to Djibouti, which is where his daddy is stationed, and they did. They sent a dragon right there. Oh wow! And this has become in the form of a letter. Yeah, this has become a, a a whole big thing. I mean, it's gotten picked up by national media, and there's um, did is it did I read something about the Smithsonian? Well, actually, it's the Library of Congress. That's the, that's what um, I was thinking of. Thank you. Um, the Historic American Landscape Survey, uh, which is HALS for short. Um, they recognize something called witness trees and places that are um, not necessarily designated as historic landmarks, but that have become important and valuable pieces of history, like a tree that stopped a bullet during the Civil War. So I wrote to them, um, to their director <laughs> last year, and I told them all about the fairy tree, and I said, I feel like it stopped an emotional bullet and doesn't say anything in the rules that it can't be something happening right now. So now, uh, as soon as they start uploading to the Library of Congress, the fairy tree and a whole big long report with photos and the whole story is going to be in there. It's going to be, they said, probably the first story of the pandemic being recorded in the Library of Congress. Oh, wow. And also the only happy one. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's probably true. Um, have you had to do the responses yourself, or, or do the fairies help out? Do they have, uh, um, I, I don't know, some kind of a form letter that can be used? Well, now, Tom, <laughs> you know that um, we would never uh, out Santa before Christmas, and you certainly wouldn't want to do that to the fairies right in the middle of summer. Um, but I can tell you that the fairy queen 
is a very busy lady. She does this pretty much on her own. Um, and she's exhausted because she's getting anywhere between 15 and 50 letters a day. <laughs> wow. Between online, there's a website, um, fairypenpals.com, where people, um, even, even grown-ups and college students, were right next to Old Dominion University. And when the pandemic hit last fall, uh, the fairies started getting lots of letters from Old Dominion University students even ROTC members who were just distraught. Some of them were on the verge of self-harm, and the fairies worked with the university to provide resources and letters of comfort. And little. sometimes, you know, the fairies will give a necklace, a little talisman or something to, uh, to hold on to. And so it, it uh, it branched out. This tree branched out in ways that I really never expected. But then again, that's what you get with fairies. Well, it branched out a little bit uh, geographically too. I I think because I was poking around online and found some pictures, and it looks like a whole village has grown out of uh, that door. It it has it. Um, this is a, this is a little bit of if you build it they will come. Um, <laughs> lots of lots of fairies happened, moved into the village, did they? They well, it became a village. With it was a door. My seventeen-year-old son Quinn um, likes to very proudly uh, say to his friends, "My mom is the only person who can put a door on a tree and end up with a village that took over half a block." And that <laughs> is true. Um, what happened was our neighbors are just amazing. I mean, one gentleman built a bench and a table and what looks like a giant dollhouse that where the roof opens up on a hinge and that's where all of the letters from the fairies are stored in plastic uh, tubs so that they don't get rained on and get wet. And um, dads and moms and grandparents have made it their business to sit down with their kids and grandkids and make fairy houses. Um, the Dollar Tree on uh, near us, I can tell you, is as clean out of fairy stuff because they have just uh, they have taken every single one of them and turned them into fairy condominiums. They built them <laughs> into townhomes. They've made castles. The Tooth Fairy's got a heck of a castle here. And the fairy godmother's got a, 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 a mosaic shoe that she lives in, because that's pretty fitting. Um, we have a library fairy who recommends books and a science fairy that answers questions. We have a math fairy that helps kids with their homework. So anytime a child needs something or writes a letter, that fairy comes into being. So this a, is a, a child, it's such a, a, a fun thing. Lisa, um, when it started, it was it was an expectation. I don't know what caused all that, but well, it's gone now. Um, there was a um, an expectation that um, the the two girls that you started with. Uh, would just drop letters off, right? And and um, and and then it was a few more and a few more. It, has it stayed where people are bringing the letters by in person, dropping them off, or putting them in a mailbox or or the uh, the library box, or are, are you getting them in the mail and online now? 
I they are filling that uh, box in front of my house under the crepe myrtle tree every single day. Um, and they come in the mail and they write um, through the website. What they do is they write through the website and they give their their parents permission. They give their address if they want a paper letter response and the parents will mail it to them. Um, but if, sometimes people just want to chat and you know, they're having a rough day and they'll just, you know, email one lady uh, emailed and said she had grown up in a neighborhood that was, you know, about 20 minutes away from me and that uh, she was across the country and it was COVID and her father had passed and she just wanted to know if the fairies could send her a picture of the house she grew up in. Um, and so oh, wow. the fairies went out and shot pictures and video and sent them to her and then uh, never heard from her again. And because that was what she needed. Oh, that's um, wonderful. The fairies have... Yeah, the fairies are not, we try and remind children that the fairies are not genies. They're not going to just do wish fulfillment. Um, but sometimes, there are times, there's a little girl who wrote last August that her little brother, who's five years old, is uh, deaf in one ear, and he was very depressed and had stopped trying to communicate because he was, he just couldn't see people's faces, and that was freaking him out. So the fairies got a bunch of other fairies together from Facebook and uh, bought a bunch of those clear masks for the deaf. And uh, the when they came in, the little girl came to pick up her letter one day and there was a package from the fairies and her little brother started talking again and started communicating and feeling better. So, you know, if there's something the fairies can actually make happen, they do. There was a little girl whose mommy is a teacher um, who couldn't afford a lot of things for Christmas, and the little girl wanted to go fishing uh, with her mom because that was her happiest memory, was that she'd gone fishing one time with her mom. Um, and so the fairies went to folks at Bass Pro Shop over in Hampton, and they did it up. They made a special Santa certificate that went to her for Christmas, and then in April when the weather was good, uh, they had one of their team pros take her and her mommy out and catch fish. And they loaded her up and gave her a fishing pole to keep and everything. So, you know, sometimes you just what I've learned from this ex- experience, because I feel like this has done way more for me and my spirit and belief in humanity than, than it's maybe done for other people um, in some ways is that, you don't know what's possible until you ask someone um, to help you out. You don't know what people, so many people are so negative, and I understand it, I get it, but, you know, they don't even want to try anymore. And uh, I just believe that uh, I've learned through this for a whole year now. Uh, all The worst I can do is say no. So just ask. I mean, if you think that somebody's be able to make a little kid's wish come true, uh, call them up. I mean, I've, so far I've had help from everybody from Cox Cable to the FBI helping out. Uh, <laughs> and I want to talk a little bit more about the people that help out, but I have to take a break here. Lisa, can you hang around for a few minutes and we'll talk some more? Sure can. All right. Mm-hmm. My guest is Lisa Suhey, um, and, uh, and she's become sort of uh, the recording secretary for the... Uh, <laughs> 
for the the fairies out there that that have fairy pen pals and we're going to talk more about that after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break if you're streaming us we have some messages as well hello darling this is Elvira, mistress of the dark with tom sumner I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. 
No, I get it, you're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about a random act of kindness that turned into kind of a magical movement with uh, Lisa Suhey, a journalist and uh, children's book author, um, and she uh, joins me by phone. Lisa, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Hey, Tom. Actually, those are kind of fun commercials. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking just before the break, and, and I, I was about to ask you if this had be, it had become almost a full-time job for you because it's gotten so big. But you were talking about some of the people who have chipped in and helped out. Um, do, do you want to talk about that a little more? Sure. Um It's been um, a really, I guess you have to be a person who has faith in something um, bigger than yourself, I think, to carry this kind of mission out. I've had friends call it everything from a random act of kindness to a new ministry. Um, But this is a a thing where uh, people have uh, time I spend money on this because I'm the mom of five and three of my sons are home with me during this pandemic. Um, and so, you know, I'm a single mom and it becomes tough. And, uh, every time I was tempted to, uh, slow it down or not do something for someone, I just said, you know, forget about it. It'll come back. And it does. I mean, people will just randomly leave a basket on my doorstep of writing supplies or envelopes or rolls of stamps or $5 or things like that. I have this one amazing neighbor named Randy. He told me this story that just uh, gave me chills. I don't know if you've ever read the book by Shel Silverstein called The Giving Tree. But um, he, uh, yeah, I'm familiar he made, with. so he made, uh, uh, he saw that the kids were all sitting on the grass. And he said, well, you know, it's so hard. How are they going to write? They're trying to write on their lap. So he came over and he's measuring how tall kids are one day and comes back from his little workshop and he has this beautiful cedar bench and table and chairs and all this stuff that he made, as I mentioned before. But what he hadn't told me immediately was the story behind the wood. And what it was was that he said he and his best friend had uh, grown up climbing this big tree in his best friend's backyard. And uh, one day, about 30 years ago, that tree had been struck by uh, lightning and his friend had gotten it uh, cut and milled into wood because he knew that Randy built things all the time. But Randy um, when, couldn't part with the wood and his friend passed away not long after that. He just couldn't part with it. It's been sitting in his basement for 30 years. But then he saw the kids out there and he thought, this is what this wood is supposed to be for. And so he parted with it to make all these things to contribute to the happiness um, and the longevity of the project for these kids. And I thought that was such a selfless act. See, Lisa, that's not Um, fair. You're making me tear up over here. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Truth hurts, Tom. <laughs> you let me keep that to myself. <laughs> of course. No, that's um, that's wonderful. And and are there? Can you share a couple more examples of people who have uh, sort of um, been touched by the fairies? Sure. Well, there's this one uh, little little boy who wants to be uh, a police officer when he grows up, and the local police made sure that the fairies had uh, coloring books and all kinds of uh, materials for him so that when he came for a whole week every every day, you know, because some kids will be here every single day the whole summer, um, and he had all kinds of things to support that dream, and he got to meet a police officer and talk to him. And this similar thing happened with a little girl who wants to go into the FBI, and the FBI sent her uh, an FBI baseball cap. Um, oh, <laughs> and she was just, oh, my goodness. She, Her mother told me she slept in that thing. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, that'd be like getting a, a crown. <laughs> that was, you know, um, but what, um, what interested me so much, though, was um, that so many little boys love the fairies and so many dads are so not okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, but I don't think they quite understand. See, our city of Norfolk, Virginia, our city symbol is the mermaid. And these, you know, these eight-foot-long statues, and I did a whole bunch of children's books about them. Um, and originally, a gentleman named Bob Batcher had said to me, I don't get it. Why do you want to do a children's book about mermaids? I said, wait a minute, I don't understand. He said, well, we didn't do these for children. We did them because it's a Navy town, and, you know, mermaids, you know, they're pretty good looking. And I said, <laughs> ah, well, so the same thing applies to fairies. Have you taken a look at Tinkerbell lately? You know, um, so uh, someone who got involved in the project is uh, a fellow that I call uh, uh, the Amazing Scott um, uh, from Amazing Arts in Davis, Illinois. Um, and they make rubber stamps. Do you know people still make rubber stamps? Well, they do. And I had bought some rubber stamps online through eBay from his company, apparently. And they were of fairies because children wanted to know what the fairies looked like. And I have literally no artistic talent whatsoever. So I thought, well, we could rubber stamp them. We could color them in with glitter pens. You can see how far down this rabbit hole I am now, right? I have a, whole, <laughs> I have a rolling trolley art supply cart that is filled with rubber stamps now because of this amazing Scott. Because he saw an article that had been done by the Associated Press that sort of ran around the world a couple times. And he realized that one of the pictures was a little girl holding up a letter from a fairy, and it had one of his rubber stamps on it. And so one day, did not know him from Adam. A big package arrived, and he had been all over the Fairy Pen Pals website, and where there's a thing called a fairy who's who, where I name all the fairies who they are, describe them. He made rubber stamps for... You know, so children could see what every one of those fairies looked like. He even made postmarks. Oh. So the fairies have postmarks from Fairyland, from Dragonland, from the elves in Mirkwood Forest, from the Tooth Fairy, from the fairy queen's name is Lysandra. So the queen Lysandra has her own seal of, you know, the seal of approval. And so does the Tooth Fairy and dragons and dragon fairies and Tinkerbell. I, all of them, sorry, Disney. 
but there it is. And so that's somebody who I didn't know who just, uh, he just wanted in. He just sent it all with a letter saying, this is so cool. I, I, you know, I just want to find some way to make this even better. And he did, because now uh, if you look at the letters that kids got at the beginning, they were just, you know, handwritten letters on, on, on little paper in tiny envelopes. Um, and now they're very elaborate with images of fairies and dragons and elves. And uh, we even have a hedgehog named Osgood, the hedgehog and the unicorn, because a little girl wrote and asked. Um, they, they ask you very leading questions. So you know what answers they want you to say. Is there such a thing as hedgehog, a hedgehog and unicorn? I sure hope there are because that would make me happy. Well, so Osgood was born. And now he has his own postmark. <laughs> this is this is so much fun, and and I enjoyed reading about it and and looking at the website and and uh, you know thinking about how this this all sort of evolved and grew. But does this happen every time you come up with an idea? Because you know your your idea about. Um, the Norfolk Initiative for Chess Excellence kind of took off. Oh, nice. Yes, we're nice. We teach people to play nice. Um, yeah, that's going on 11 years now. I founded the city's chess program. It's Everything I do is always free. I never make money from it. So I will die penniless, but very, very happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I've had so many people come to me and just insist, you know, like for your own good, you need to monetize this. You need merchandise. You need to have merch. And I said, yeah, no, I just, I can't. It's, it's a labor of love and all the magic will just get sucked right out into the, into the stratosphere. Um, but the, the chess initiative started because um, I have four sons and a daughter and my youngest son, uh, Quinn has Asperger's. And the, one of the few ways I was able to really communicate with him when he was a very young child was through the game of chess. But there was nobody who played, and there was no chess for children. There was just a lot of older men in a smoke-filled room at 9 o'clock at night where you had to pay to play. Um, and that was just not the environment I thought kids should be in. So um, I contacted, because, uh, you know, journalists, do this. I'm sure you do this too. When you need something, you're not scared to just pick up the phone and or email a celebrity and say, hey. So I, I went to women's grandmaster Susan Polgar and said, hey, um, can you help me out? Um, do you have a chess program nearby? And she said, no, but you could have one. I, I barely play chess. She said, no, but you could teach it. Um, you're kind of a natural at that. It's like, well, because I'm a mom. So she helped me set it up and sent me the materials that I needed. So it started me off with like 12 chess sets and clocks and some funding. And um, it's just grown. Um, but it, it sadly, during the pandemic, we haven't been able to do it because we would just be super spreading, you know, right, it's young right. kids who aren't. Well, and the way we did it was I, I paired senior citizens um, with young children because I feel like we have all of this incredible energy and knowledge that is untapped and so there were so many people who played chess but had not played in years and uh it's just it's electric when you put them together because the kids just recharge um all of our senior volunteers and the seniors 
uh, ground those kids and guide them. And uh, so it's been pretty awesome. Uh, but I don't do competitive chess. Um, I know a lot of people really want me to. Those are the same people who want me to monetize stuff, and I respect them. I do. They can afford to go on vacation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny when you said you're going to, you know, die poor but happy. It it immediately made me think of uh, not long after I started my radio show, which was about 14, 15 years ago, I... um, once I realized how much there wasn't money in it, <laughs> that um, mm-hmm. my my epitaph should read, it wasn't much of a living, but it was a heck of a life. Oh, I like that. <laughs> now I can't steal that, though, because that's yours. That's, I don't, you know. Oh, Mine will just be like, here lies the, you know, fairy queen. <laughs> She's She's having a good time. Yeah, but yeah, but yours will have really cool graphics. (laughs) (laughs) Good graphics. Kids will come up and rubber stamp it. You know, (laughs) but what Uh, what is next? Is has this um, has this project the uh, fairy pen pals just kind of uh, consumed you, or are you, you know, do are, are there more children's books in the works? You know, I what I want to do, I've collected, I, someone literally thought that there was a chance in the world that I would have thrown away so much as a single one of these letters. Um, <laughs> I have just, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with people. There's this, do you, have you met me? No. <laughs> so I have, I have boxes and boxes and boxes of these letters, which would just absolutely melt you. My little kids have, I mean, there's a little girl who wrote to Santa because, oh, for Christmas, like right around Thanksgiving, a whole little elf village gets, uh, appears magically in a special box to Santa. Um, and uh, the children were notified that uh, uh, you could write to Santa and his head elf, Bernard. And uh, Santa and Bernard would write back. Um, you know, people are used to creating fairy villages. There are little fairy villages and fairy trees all over the world. Um, but most of them you don't, you know, you may leave letters, but you don't get a letter. Yeah, back. And I'm, and I, I don't think very many of them are interactive. No, and there are places where you can, I've seen online, where you can write to fairies and you kind of get a formish, like printed letter back, but you have to pay for it, which I don't know. I'm not going to, no judgment, it, it works for people. But but similarly with the Santa letters, you know, you write to Santa, and it's sort of like letters into the void. But in this case, Santa wrote back, and kids were enchanted by that. Um, and when you get this kind of dynamic going on, you really see through everybody's, you know, you see through the children's eyes how things are going. Like, I've learned things that, parents didn't know and so sort of take parents aside on the demo and say hey you know maybe you should read this letter from your son maybe you want to take a look at this letter from your daughter and i will say like what's your what's your phone number i will shoot a picture of it and i'll send it to you because you don't want the child to see you handing their letter to the parent because that would just be tragic but sometimes parents need to know that their child is a being devastated because the parents are arguing um, during a divorce in front of the kids all the time or because daddy's not allowed in the house or mommy's not, 
you know, doing this or, you know, sometimes you find out that, it, that a teacher said something that um, broke their heart um, and the parents don't know. So they will confide things to the fairies that they won't tell anybody else, but um, uh, there's not doctor-patient confidentiality um, when, uh, when someone's very young and in pain. So the fairies will very often make that part of the, the deal, talking to the parents. What, I'm, what I've done is um, I'm trying to archive the letters with Old Dominion University. They came to me, their library uh, folks came to me a few weeks ago and said that they were doing a COVID-19 archive, and they want to scan in. They didn't know what they were getting into. They said they wanted to... <laughs> <laughs> right? And we want to document the, the fact that this existed because we're right off campus. We're literally uh, uh, diagonally across the street from the president's residence for the university. And so many students, hundreds of students wrote. In fact, someone created a spreadsheet for me. So I have like all the names of every child and everybody who's written and what fairy they wrote to and what gifts the fairies gave them and what topic they discussed. So that, you know, because this is a lot of information to keep straight. <laughs> and, but they said they wanted to scan in all the letters. And they said, can we see them? And I, you know, it's the pandemic. So I sat them down at a table in my backyard and brought out all of the boxes. Oh, God. <laughs> and like, we're going to, it was like Jaws. We're going to need a bigger boat. You know, we're going to need more assistance to, to archive these. So I'm, I'm thinking of putting them together in a book. Um, and and just telling the story because I feel like it's nice that it'll be in the Library of Congress, but people might want to see, you know, the letters and letters to uh, and from the fairies. That'd be awesome. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Because I uh, that was the other thing is that when there's a particularly poignant letter uh, that the fairies have an answer for. Um, I bought like one of those little light boxes so that I could shoot really good photos of the fairies' responses. So I have. The letter, that, a picture of the letter that was written, and a picture of the letter that was the response. Lisa, and have you read like, every single one of these letters, and and was it just a complete emotional roller coaster for you? Oh, yes. My sons actually um, will occasionally come in and, and say, "You need, you need to." Like, if I have a big, tough letter night, with the the university students were wiping me out just wiping me out, but um, occasionally little kids will, you know, like, they'll write to the fairy. Anytime there's a letter to the fairy godmother, I should probably be doing that one with a, with a glass of wine by my side, because kids <laughs> just instinctively know, right? They just instinctively know that if you've got, like, the big, bad, you know, question, if you've got a terrible, terrible secret or a horrible problem to solve, bring it to the, to the fairy godmother. Um, well, yeah, because so she can grant letter. wishes. Right. And so those are tough. Those are the, you know, someone's getting, you know, hurt or abused or suicidal or, um, you know, I've had college students who didn't want to go home uh, confiding that they had a parent who was a, a drug addicted and violent and they were afraid to go home, but they didn't want to tell the university and they, you know, so, you know, those letters, um, a lot of letters because I have a rainbow flag out front and I put the rainbow flag out immediately initially because rainbows and fairies go together. 
it hadn't immediately hit me that rainbow also is the LGBTQ flag. Right. And so uh, that became a thing for a while because students were writing saying, we saw the flag and I felt safe here for the first time in a long time. And, you know, they just opened their hearts. And so there are some very emotional letters. Those are also some absolutely drop-dead hysterical letters. <laughs> like there's a little boy who just wrote one the other night, stuck with me. His name is Dylan. And Dylan wrote to the Tooth Fairy, Dear Tooth Fairy, I had to have four teeth pulled all in a row. Can we please change the subject? <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Pick, like, go pick on somebody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, so, so that's hysterical. Some, so some of them, you, it is a roller coaster in that way. You know, the, one little girl, the very first letter we got to Santa, I was like, oh, right, what do we want? Barbie, you know. And this little girl, Mary Douglas, wrote and she just said dear santa i don't want any toys this year just please make the coronavirus go away so i can see my grandma oh, oh man oh yeah okay thank you mother of all bombs moab yeah those those yep those that get to you um you know i was like couldn't we just announce for a barbie <laughs> <laughs> Um, Lisa, we just got a couple of minutes left, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Can you share the website? Sure. It's www.fairypenpals.com. Uh, uh, and, uh, that's that's where it's all at. There's you can even see the Library of Congress's report because the uh, the folks at the Historic American Landscape Survey gave us permission to put it um, a PDF of it on the website. So if you want to see what's actually going to be the first time fairies got put in the Library of Congress <laughs> in this way, anyway, um, not as a book, uh, uh, you can find it there too. Well, this is just such an amazing thing that has evolved out of what, as you described, was initially a random act of kindness. And uh, I, I uh, was going to say what's next, but but I have a feeling it's just going to continue to be, you know, fairies, 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 because they won't let you do anything else. <laughs> well, we're going to do a little fairy time capsule, actually. Oh, wow. So um, we're having uh, people write a letter to the fairies and send it um, and uh, tell what it was like to live during the time of the pandemic and have it opened in 10 years. I'm hoping to convince Old Dominion University to partner me with that because I think that would be cool. Well, Lisa, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. It has been truly magical and uh I, I want to say keep up the good work and and please tell the fairies hi for me. Well, thank you, Tom. You do a very wonderful show. <laughs> nice. Take care. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. That was Lisa Suhey, and uh, she was a, a journalist, um, has been a journalist for th over 30 years for the New York Times, Christian Science Monitor, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and is the author of 10 children's books. And uh, 
she had a random act of kindness that turned into a very magical movement around fairy pen pals. We're going to take a short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hey, (laughs) this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The story of Little Blue Riding Hood is true. Only the color has been changed to prevent an investigation. This is the woods. My name is Wednesday. I work out of homicide. Monday, February the 2nd, 10.22 a.m. Bumped into chicken licking. Told me the sky was falling. I booked her on the 6.14, turned her over to the psychiatrist. Then a call came in at a 5.03. When I was on my way to the 5.03, a 6.18 came in. I added up the 6.14, the 5.03, and the 6.18. Got 1,735. I handed in my paper to the chief. He corrected it. Gave me 100%. Patted me on the head. Told me I was a good cop. 11.45 a.m. It happened. I saw a little girl in a blue hood carrying a basket. I stopped to question her. Pardon me, ma'am. Could I talk to you for just a minute, ma'am? What about? Nothing much, ma'am. Just want to ask you a few questions, ma'am. What's your name? Little Blue Riding Hood. Where are you going, ma'am? Grandma's house. Yes, ma'am. What do you got in the basket? What are you trying to say? I got something in the basket I shouldn't have? No, ma'am. I didn't say that. Then why are you asking me all these questions for? Just routine, ma'am. We just want to get the facts. May I have a look in that basket, ma'am? Be my guest. Let's see. Sawed-off shotgun. Knife, bludgeon, box of dum-dum shells. Nothing suspicious here. All right, ma'am, we may want to talk to you later, so don't leave the woods. She skipped on down the path, but she didn't know I'd seen the concealed compartment in the basket. In it, what I'd suspected all along. Goodies. My job, get to Grandma's before she did. I took a shortcut through the strawberry patch. It was sort of a strawberry shortcut. I walked up to the cottage, rang the bell. Come in, dear. Okay, Grandma, it's a raid. A raid? Why, I'm just a peace-loving old lady. You've got the wrong grandma. Yes, ma'am. We just want to get the facts. Where'd you get that bump on your head? The sky fell on me this morning. I made a note to book her on the 614 and turned her over to the psychiatrist. I tied her up, put her in the closet, then I put on the grandma suit and got into bed. Come in, ma'am. Hello, Grandma. I got the loot. What are you doing in bed? I'm feeling poorly. But, Grandma, what big ears you have? All the better to get the facts. I just want to get the facts, ma'am. But, Grandma, what a big subpoena you have in your pocket. All the better to serve you with. But, Grandma, what a big 38 police special you have pointed at me. All the better to take you in. You're under arrest. You and your Grandma are operating a goodies ring. A cop. I should have known. Known what, ma'am? You look nothing like my Grandma. 
You forgot about the mustache. But I don't have a mustache. I know, but Grandma does. Well, I see you broke the goodies ring. How'd you get a lead on her, Joe? I just played a hunch, Frank. It was just a hunch. I played my luck. Sometimes a hunch pays off, sometimes it doesn't. I was just lucky. I just played a hunch, Frank. What you're trying to say, Joe, is you just played a hunch. A lucky guess. Sometimes a hunch pays off, sometimes it doesn't. You just played a hunch. Is that what you're trying to tell me, Joe? Yeah, I just played a hunch. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
have a treasure if you stay there. More precious father. today's show it wraps it up for the week in fact i hope you have a great weekend we'll be back monday with another edition of the tom sumner program i want to say thanks to all my guests that made the time go by so very quickly today starting with uh, our conversation with um, journalist and children's book writer lisa suhey about the um fairy pen pals what a, what a lot of fun that was and of course uh Film producer uh, Marie Pisano, who is the founder of MVP3 Entertainment Group and the author of her memoir, From Barefoot to Stilettos. Fun conversation with Marie. And, of course, in the first hour, talking with uh, Seinfeld alum John O'Hurley, who played Elaine's boss on that long-running TV show. And, of course, our tribute to... um, Michigan's longest-serving Senator Carl Levin, who passed away yesterday at age 87. Anyway, that that does wrap it up. That's Smoking George Winters, Tickling the Ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room and some more uh, binge-watching and binge-eating and all that good kind of stuff. But as I said, I will be back Monday. So in the meantime, good night, everybody. Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. 
This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.